Hello and welcome to episode 625 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, January 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what is going on? It feels like I haven't talked to you forever. It really does. Well, we took some time off for the holidays. Hope you had a good holiday. You spoke with... Ju- ju- I almost said your name. You spoke with yourself. You spoke with Jason in the interim. I'm sure you've spoken with yourself, but you also spoke with Jason in the interim. You guys put out a really good one. I love uh, Jason's judgments, and you guys got to break down a lot of the great transactions. So we only have a few, but then you and I are going to talk about some uh, post-hype buyback type of pitchers. I did a piece on on a few buyback hitters, which was basically adding some of the – some of the post type hitters that we talked about, just kind of expounding my thoughts on them. And, uh, we never did pitchers. So we're going to start, we're going to start some pitchers here after we talk about a few transactions, not a lot going on, which isn't terribly surprising because you guys got that flourish right before the, uh, holidays hit. And then of course there's a bit of a dead period. Like it, it's not, it's not surprising at all that we hit a little bit of a dead period, but now I hope we come out of it and and perk God, up again please, because yeah. we, we, it's been dry. <laughs> the biggest move, the the first one isn't really the biggest move. I'd say the second one is, but we are going to start with uh, Troy Tulowitzki. He was free. They, I mean, it was a free gamble for them for the Yankees to take a shot on him. Five hundred fifty thousand because he's getting paid by the Blue Jays. Nobody has to pay anything. Honestly, whichever team got him, I was going to think was a. Good shot. I mean, I think it's a worthy gamble. Do I think he has a lot left in the tank? No. I, I, if I'm betting, no. Of course I'm betting against it because that's the smart bet. It doesn't matter, though, because it is such a low-cost gamble that you take a shot. He's been getting good reports on his workouts out at Long Beach State. You know, Some of that can be overdone or whatever. But, okay, even if it doesn't pan out, you take this shot. Obviously, they have an opening with uh, Didi Gregorius getting Tommy John. I don't think this instantly takes them out of the Manny Machado signing either. But what did you think about Troy Tulowitzki signing with the Yankees? I think this is insurance or depth while yep. Didi's on the shelf and then a lottery ticket because if for some reason he does go ham, if, if something happens to Didi during the, the rehab process, you still have a guy. Uh, and if Didi comes back healthy, then you've got a really nice trade chip or, or a piece that can move around the infield for you. So, what, when do you think uh, when do you think Didi's coming back? Uh, I, you know, I originally thought he'd be back like early. Uh, I think last I saw, it's looking like June or July. Yes, yeah, I, I keep feeling that it's been being overrated, and I think now people are starting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, it looks it's not like not going to be back in in you know late April, early May. Yeah, my guess is probably mid June to July. You know, what? I should double check. I got a a guy uh, whose name is Reuven Guy, who is uh, uh, going to be doing some stuff for me on the Invitational Pod. Uh, oh, nice! He is a doctor, and he just sent me an update on. Uh, on guys who are going to be on the DL for my friends of fantasy benefits draft guide. So we'll see what he says uh, because he would know way better than me. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like that'd down. be uh, that'd be great to find out. He says he expect uh, he's expected back mid season, but he would push it closer to mid August. So see? he is even not further stoked. Uh, so I, yeah, I think this is an insurance kind of pickup and, like you said, there there's no downside to them doing this. None. 
It, There's literally none. It do, it doesn't matter. Like it, what, it, two it seasons are them. removed from 24 home runs. Yep. So you take the it, shot, and if he doesn't pan out, oh well. I don't think this takes him out of the Machado uh, sweepstakes at all. I I thoroughly expect Machado will be signing in New York probably sometime in the next week. Uh, you know, um, I I don't know what's been taking so long. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, Machado ends up in New York. He plays third base. Uh, Andy R moves over to first or, or DH or whatever. And, uh, and Tulo can man shortstop until, uh, until DD is ready to come back. Yep. I, I think that's exactly, uh, exactly how it's going to break down there. Now, is there any league where you're taking Troy Tulowitzki? Ale only. Sure. I don't think I would really take a gamble on him in anything shallower. I just can't imagine he's going to – shortstop is just so deep. Exactly. In a 15-team league. like I've been kind of finalizing my ranks, uh, you know, start releasing them in, in various places. And uh, it, shortstop has got to be the deepest position in, in fantasy this year. And so uh, I can't imagine – there's any league other than AL only where I'm really looking at a Troy Tulowitzki. Yep. I, I have to fully agree with that. I just, um, unless we saw something crazy in spring where he really started to look like Even a previous then, iteration his, of Tulo. Cause if that happens then his, 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 uh, value skyrockets and I his, want no his stock would it. go up and, and then the cost, it might be co- become cost prohibitive. So yeah, really looking at AL only for Tulo, but an interesting sign there. Again, I don't think it takes them out of Machado the way some folks do. Um, He's just not good enough to really do that. All right, David Robertson goes over to the Phillies. This is a good move uh, for the Phillies. You know, they're they're getting the the signings on the edges here. Well, that understates it a little bit. I'm not I'm not trying to take away from uh, David Robertson, but they haven't done their big one yet. Is what I'm trying to say. They've done the the Question ones is, around do it. Do they get a big one? McCutcheon, Robertson, and and that is the key. Like, are they are they going to do it? They got Segura via trade. Here's the thing, even if they don't, they've had a good off season. I, I really do believe that. And it would be a little bit disappointing because everyone penciled them in, inked them in, not penciled, inked them in for one of the biggies. And so if they didn't get it, it would it would come across as a bit of a disappointment. But I do think that that even if they don't, you have to look at this team and say, okay, they've definitely improved the ball club. David Robertson comes in. Is he going to take that closer's job from – Sir Anthony Dominguez, who who has been definitely lightly penciled in at this point, he hasn't closed in a while as a primary closer. That doesn't mean he hasn't been showing the skills for David Robertson to be an elite level closer. I still think that if he gets the job, he'd be premium. Do you think he's going to start the season with the job? I don't know that I trust anybody on this team to start the season with a job. I think that this is going to be a committee, and I think uh, it's just going to go back and forth. Uh, <laughs> all I think they'll long. be open to to doing that because well, obviously isn't that heavy what they did last metrics. year? Yeah, I mean last yeah, year, but they didn't have a David Robertson either. Yeah, I mean let's see. I, I just, just pulled up. The I like Phillies. Sir Anthony. They, I like Hector Neris. They're not David Robertson. I don't really like Hector Neris, but I like Sir Anthony, and I like Sir Anthony a lot. But at so the same I. time, uh, for a team that won as many games as they did, Sir Anthony had 16 saves. Neris had 11. Hunter had four. Arreño had three. A bunch of guys had one. Mm-hmm. I think that I think you're going to see more of the same. So maybe Robertson gets 15 saves. 
I'm going to put him higher into the low 20s, but I don't think he's going to be that dominant 35-plus that his skills would merit and the old-school method would merit because they're because he's going to be their best reliever too. Gabe Kapler is going to have some seventh-eighth innings where he's going to say, "I'm going to Robertson now," and if I only get through the seventh with them and into the eighth, then bring in somebody else to close it because now we we built up a three or four run lead. That's fine. He's not going to he's not going to care. They're they're out to win ball games. So again, we've talked about this for years that it that it was coming kind of coming down the pike, and now we're seeing it more and more with teams. They're managing very smartly but very badly for fantasy. It's exactly what they should be doing where they're leaning on their best relievers in high leverage scenarios, whether there's a save opportunity or not, but it really muddies things up fantasy-wise. Yeah, I think if if Robertson was the full-time guy, I'd be pretty stoked on him. Same. Uh, but, I mean, isn't Sir Anthony like a, just a younger version of him in a way? Probably walks too many guys for relievers, strikes out a ton of guys, doesn't give it up home runs. They kind of, you know, and so I, I just think they're going to be interchangeable, like you said, on that, uh, you know, back end. Maybe Robertson gets more of the high leverage, high risk situations because he's the proven vet. Sure. There's going to be a lot of clubs like that, too. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting landscape. I know right now drafts are having a tough time with uh, relievers because, you know, a lot of things are up in the air with the market being flush with relievers and all of that. I, I There will be clarity from now until draft season, definitely, because players will sign but it's i don't think it's going to be here's 28 locked in closers no no i think it's going to be closer to like 15 though i think in the past we've had 20 something guys that you could say this is the closer i think we're going to be in the teens this year where where it's going to be like six lockdowns you know five really good ones and then another four that are kind of solid and they, they have a pretty firm handle on the job and then wide open for 15 teams. I think there's going to be like 15 kind of locked in guys and then there's going to be five to 10 where it's kind of up in the air and then you're going to have like a bunch of teams that you don't Committee want to wildness. Like, well, you yeah. don't you don't like do you even want to dip your toes in the Miami closer situation? I know Stecken is the guy more than likely. But, like, how long is he on that team? How many games do they win? Do you really want to, like, jump into the Baltimore situation at all? God, no. Uh, they could lose a record amount of games. They should lose a record amount of games. Um, yeah, they're, they're tearing that sucker down. And, and I think there's going to be a number of those situations. And so I know, like, the mantra for people is always, don't pay for saves. This is why I, I'm willing to pay for saves. And sometimes, yes, it blows up in your face. Kenley yeah. Jansen was not good last year. Zach Britton hurt you you know, uh, what, two years ago when, when you took him. But for the most part, like, there's a reason why some of these guys go in the, you know, as the top 10, top 10 closers. I'm more than happy to get one of those. Mm-hmm. No, I, I absolutely, uh, absolutely agree. So that's David Robertson going out to Philly. Uh, I like their scenario. Again, they've improved the team, whether they get their, their big fish or not. I do still think they're in on both guys, and they're going to do everything they can to land one, but we'll see what what happens here in the next month or so. Let's move over to uh, Jonathan Lucroy signing with the Angels. Now, you know, how the mighty have fallen. He just has become such a nothing bat. I got in a little uh, Twitter back and forth with somebody that he was mad that he was like, There's, there goes another one off the board for the Cubs. And I was like, well, they have Contreras. And he's like, no, I meant as a backup. And I was, for me, maybe I'm crazy. 
but I never thought there was a world where you could get Jonathan Lucroy as a backup because um, because there was going to be a starting role out there for him. So maybe the Cubs did offer him, and maybe some other teams that have established catchers offered him. But there was guaranteed to be a starting role out there for him just because of the landscape of catcher, not because of anything he does. This is not a pro-Jonathan Lucroy take. It's a uh, look at the landscape of catcher, how garbage it is. Of course he has to start somewhere just because. And that was kind of the crux of the, of the back and forth. And I was like, you guys didn't – that that wasn't a guy off the board for the for the Cubs because he was never an option. I always thought he was going to get a starting role. He gets it out in L.A. I wanted to see them get Grandal because they're putting together a nice team. But this isn't terrible for as cheap as it was. And we don't usually talk about cost because it doesn't relate to fantasy. But he cost them n- nothing, really. He's got some incentives, but it's 3.35 guaranteed with some incentives if he does well. What do you think of Lucroy out as an angel? Oh, you know, I, I don't think you are dismissing cost as a fantasy non-fantasy factor, but I will say that sometimes cost is a fantasy factor. So I agree. Uh, and you and I talk about sometimes how someone being priced in because of their contract. Look at J- Jason Hayward is only a starter in Chicago because he's priced in. Exactly. It's yeah. Sometimes it keeps Dexter guys Fowler, starting Fowler regularly. Is only starting because uh, he has that massive contract. So. Uh, I think the fact that he doesn't get very much money here means if he struggles offensively, they could easily look elsewhere, especially uh, if they're in the race and JT Ramuto is still on the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they go, hey, listen, we gotta get we gotta get Trout in the playoffs at some point before he leaves us. That's the thing. They de- they definitely are still trying to do that, and that's why they're putting together this. Uh... That's why they're putting together this club here. They've had a quiet, quietly solid offseason, I think. I think they have a lineup that runs deep. Um, again, think what you want of Luke Wright. He's He's not been good. I'm, I'm not saying that. But he's a capable catcher that you can put in your 8-9 spot. And he and David Fletcher down there at the very bottom. And they've added like some good like, pitchers. Yeah, and pitchers yes. seem to like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as he can, you know, we've heard stories about him being kind of a dick at times. <laughs> uh, pitchers seem to like to pitch to him. Uh, I I don't know that he's necessarily a great framer, but I mean he's a pretty good defensive catcher. Yeah, the metrics say he's lost some of the uh, the, the framing he excellence was, that he had. At one point, yeah, it was a great frame framer in now, Milwaukee. There was a factor that uh, Doug Thorburn used to talk oh, about. I remember this? That his um, framing was based on the pitchers that they had. And the way that they worked, I believe it was that they worked up down, mm-hmm. and so that 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 allowed him. He struggled going uh, side to side. Yes, that allowed him to frame things better, just because of of the way that team pitched. And they had a team because of the way they trained mechanics. Um, a lot of their pitchers were more conducive to better framing, and so that's why he was so far ahead of the pack. It wasn't necessarily that he was just some overwhelmingly skilled framer it was that he was being set up to succeed as well for jonathan lucroy so we'll see what he can do cable catcher fine pick i like i think you can get him as a c2 these days in fantasy though which do you want I, him though that he's he's not even going to hit he hasn't hit double digit home runs since that 24 homer outburst in 2016 though that's two years removed I, and it's, well, it's a while now coming it's, up to three years removed no you're right it's, it's hard to start saying because we're, we're not that close to it because now he has 900 plate appearances of a and i'm on b ref right now so I, i'm just doing the ops plus 77 
OPS plus. And like everything They're, regressed last year. Oh, it's it's brutal. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's brutal. So yeah, you're right. Um, I, I was actually kind of excited when he went to Oakland just because I tend to give them He's you know get the benefit of the doubt. They make a C2, but I don't necessarily know that he should be. I think the fantasy catcher landscape's bad enough that he probably should be, but I I will agree with when you said, well, do you really want him? No. You're right. I don't. For instance, I don't. he's currently I, I, going as the 23rd catcher off the board in NFBC pick 330. So it, it's, it's, not, it's not like oh, you have to pay a price for him, but I think I'd rather have guys, behind, guys going I behind him. I can find several behind him that I'd Mitch Garver. Yes. Uh, Narvez. Narvez, yes. Uh, Austin Barnes. 100%. There's a buyback guy I could have mm-hmm. put on. Remember how much I loved him coming in the last year? He totally flopped. I wonder, He's still got skills. I, I would Ianetta. definitely take him. Ianetta. I would rather have Ianetta in Colorado, yes. So there's a number of guys who, uh, who are worth. Kelly in Arizona I think I'd rather have. Yeah. Because he's even cheaper, too. So Tyler I wait, Flowers I, in, in Atlanta. I know he's going to share time with McCann, but. That's fine. No, I, I you're right. Um so no, I don't even want Luke Croy. Not that he's a bad cost. It's a perfectly fair price to pay if you still have some glimmer of hope. Justin and I do not. Yes. All right, let's move on to a move that that kind of slid under the radar, man. They made this move late. It's like they were trying to hide it. Like when, you know, sometimes political stories come out on like late Friday afternoon to kind of miss the news cycle. Um, <laughs> it, it, like, were they ashamed of signing Yusei Kikuchi? The Mariners got him. And it really, like I said, seemed to kind of slide under the radar a little bit coming out on, uh, I think it was, was it New Year's Day? or, or Well, because the he had to sign by the second or yeah. he wouldn't. He'd go back. He, yeah, he wouldn't be allowed to, which was interesting in uh, in the Dynasty League that I'm in for Friends Fantasy Benefits. We have a 30-team Dynasty League uh, that we drafted in November because we're sadists, apparently. <laughs> and uh, there was a trade involving him. But if he got sent back, the trade uh, would be undone. Well, it would be partially undone, um, and so like one of the prospects would go back, and uh, it was it was really interesting between uh, Smata and, and Walter McMichael, um, two guys who are, who are great industry guys. Uh, but I, I I think it just all of a sudden maybe I don't know. I guess his agents <laughs> were like, "Wait, we need to get this done." Like we need to get this now. done. You know what it would have reminded me of. Do you remember when Hisashi Iwakuma first came over? I don't. And okay, so what had what happened was he tried to get he was supposed to get a deal with the A's. They were heavily rumored it was oh, looking like it was going to get done. It fell through. He had he just go he went back. He went back and pitched two more years over there in Japan with Rakuten and uh, put up two more you know solid seasons. Came back around age thirty one. You know. We know how that story ends. Ended up doing pretty damn well with uh, with Seattle, but he could have had two more major league seasons there, and he could have been in Oakland A, but they couldn't get anything done. It would have been just like that. Uh, Kikuchi would have just had to go back and kind of figure it out another time. Now I don't know how long he would have to stay back if if it was a two year thing that Iwakuma had to do, or if it's you can try again the very next year. But it would have been uh, it would have been really interesting if they hadn't gotten that deal done. But he does come over. So he is going to be here. You say Kikuchi, going to be a Seattle Mariner. It's funny because, you know, they're making all these moves, all these trades. Everyone's calling it a teardown. They're, they're saying it's more of a retool. And then they add a 27-year-old like this, 27-year-old lefty Kikuchi from Japan. 
looks pretty decent. The comps that he's drawn uh, have been some of the obvious ones. You know, it, sometimes making the the nationality based ones, you, you try not to do that because you feel like it's lazy. But then there are so many similarities that it that it just lines up that way. And so um, left-handed Maeda. Um, another one. This isn't nationality, but it, but this guy was over in Asia as well. Miles Michaelis, and, and uh, I've also seen a Patrick Corbin comp thrown on him, a, a pre-breakout Patrick Corbin. So not don't expect what Corbin did this past year, but maybe expect the solid, if unspectacular, Corbin. So those are some of the names that have been thrown around with Kikuchi. What do you think uh, of what he can do out there in Seattle? Uh, I'll, I'll be real honest. I have no idea. So like I I I've never seen him pitch other than you know a couple quick YouTube clips and uh you know I, I look at the numbers and they don't always translate fantastically from Japan uh mm-hmm. so I've really been leaning on people that have seen him pitch more than me and uh the contract is interesting because he's got this this clause in his contract where he can opt out after three years but then the if he doesn't opt out, the manners can extend him for seven years. Oh, wow. Something, something weird. And they've already said that they're going to try to limit his innings in starts. So So that's where he gets the Maeda sort of comp because mm -hmm. of the, uh, not just because of the way they pitch, but their deals because Maeda had a really uh, incentive laden deal and they also limit his innings. So they're, they're talking about either skipping him or limiting his uh, starts uh, like every fourth or fifth start, limit it to just a few innings, uh, to kind of kind of let him acclimate to pitching the majors. Because in Japan, for those who don't know, they only pitch every six or seven days. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Eddie uh, Almerger, uh, who is a fantastic writer over at uh, Prospects Live, uh, he 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 talked about on Twitter recently that the ball is stitched differently; it's smaller yes. over there. Uh, and that when Michaelis came over, he was averaging 91.7 and jumped up over two miles an hour when he came to, uh, to over here. So that would be an interesting, uh, if, he, if he got a, a nice little bump, he averaged, I believe, like 94 over there. Wow. Say, if that's right, or maybe I'm reading this wrong. So, but uh, I... I, it's hard. I think in dynasty and keeper leagues, he's going to go way too high. And I could I see that redrafts, because, I think he'll be, because of oh, Michaelis. Actually, yeah, and, but because I think in redraft leagues, it won't be that bad. Um, no, I think it'll be a fair price. In fact, let's see where he's been going. Well, obviously, this is going to go up now that he has a team. The uncertainty of players, even that aren't coming over, just guys on the free agent market, can keep their price down. And so, currently uh, going to see seventy four. Uh, out of pitchers, pitcher right? Pitcher seventy-four. Yeah. Uh, pick one ninety-five. Going right in front of John, uh, John Gray, Josh James, and Kevin Gosman. I got no problem with that. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, yeah, I think that's actually pretty fair. I probably yeah. probably put them a little bit lower than that, but not. A couple much. other names that uh, Jeff Zimmerman invoked when he wrote up his piece, and you should check out that because he references Jeff Sullivan's piece too. So either way, you can you'll get the scope of what we've done over at Fangraphs on Kikuchi. Um, he invoked the names of Alex Wood, um, Jose Quintana, and Cal Freeland, three other lefties that that cut a similar sort of sort of image there. So he, he from what I'm seeing, he throws typically throws about ninety three. 
with with a fastball, 86 with a changeup, uh, is, is mainly a kind of fastball changeup guy, throws a lot of strikes. So if he gets a bump like Mich- uh, Michaelis did, that's, that's you know, a guy throwing 95. Exactly. And, and so that we've never seen be- that batters have never seen before. Some of the uh, the Zips numbers, we're putting them at like a four ERA with a uh, with 131 strikeouts in 142 innings. And let me see what the whip is because it doesn't list it out. So I gotta gotta math it up here. Uh, puts them at a 134 whip. So yeah, I mean like not amazing, but if that's kind of what his four looks like, and then he can he can uh, advance from that depending on how Kikuchi develops. I think there's some intrigue there. And uh, at that price, I'm willing to take a shot. You know, you and I play multiple leagues, so we could talk about getting shares of guys as opposed to if you play one, maybe two leagues. Um, you can't you can't spread it out as much. But I'd definitely I'd definitely put uh, I'd definitely be putting a little bit of stock into Kikuchi because I'm kind of intrigued to see what he can do. And I won't be pushed off if he has a bad spring because we saw not that he would become Otani, but we saw what happened when people freaked the hell out over Otani's spring. His price tanked, and that's actually when I started buying. I definitely need to dig in a little bit more to just his numbers in terms of you know, does he get a lot of ground balls, does he get a lot of fly balls, because mm-hmm. that outfield defense may be atrocious, but the infield Dude. defense may be pretty decent. Yeah, they, so, they eschewed their outfield defense that they had last year that was strong. Yeah, but J.D. So Crawford is a good defensive shortstop. They've got mm-hmm. D. Gordon at second. Uh, Seager is still pretty decent. Uh, on the hot corner. So the infield defense, good. Malik Smith in center field, bad. Gross. So so gross. If I mean, a lot's going to change for him depending on how he looks in spring, including yep. his price. If he if he goes out there and just starts shoving it. Oh, uh, the price will skyrocket. Yeah, the price will go out of control. So if you've got an early draft, now's the time to take a chance. Exactly. I totally agree. If you, if, if you like Kikuchi, get in now. Yeah, because it um, could really only go up from here. Yes, exactly. All right, so that's Yusei Kikuchi going out to the Mariners, and that's all we got really for, for transactions right now. They've just been a little bit slow. I feel like next episode, I feel like well, the next week, we're going to get a flourish. Ten minutes after we finish recording, three people will start. Oh, something will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that'll be fun. And if it's a big enough signing, we'll jump back on. But as it stands right now, we're going to jump into buyback pitchers here. we got six guys we want to talk about that – they're not so much post-hype. They haven't all been hyped, but that their price has gone down and they're worth buying back in on uh, despite the fact that the, the market has soured a bit on them. Now, let's start with uh, Joe Musgrove, who actually had a pretty good season. If you if you really look at what he did, now he had some blow-up starts that I think kept his ERA over four, but it was just over four. And I love that he only had a 5% walk rate and uh, the strikeout rate wasn't, you know, it's not going to knock your socks off at 21%, but I still think there's more to it as well because he has an 11% swing strike rate. That's consistent from the year before, too. He can miss bats regularly, uh, Joe Musgrove can. And he has a premium slider that um, I think almost made the money pitch conversation uh, from the last podcast I did. And I still think there's upside here to put up a a mid threes type of season. And even if he pairs it with the same ERA that, or excuse me, same whip that he had this past year, 118, I'll take that. I take his FIP, 359, and the whip that he already put up, 118, 
over 155 plus innings. Uh, I would take that all day for what Musgrove is costing right now. How do you feel about Joe Musgrove out in uh, Pittsburgh? He's one of those guys that I want to see pitch again before I jump back on board. I, I, I liked him going into last year after the trade. I felt like he was discounted a little bit too much because people were so angry that uh, <laughs> that uh, the Pirates <laughs> got or gave away Garrett Cole for him. Yes. Uh, that being said, I thought that was a good deal, though. I really, I really, and obviously mm-hmm. Garrett Cole took a superstar turn. No, I mean, well, people kind I, of saw it coming, but I mean, you, I, if you would reasonably predicted Garrett Cole was going to do what he did, then you won every single fantasy league you were in. No, I didn't, but I did predict that he would be good. So, sure, but I, I mean, I think I everybody thought he'd be good. No one thought he was going to. Not take everyone this. thought he'd be good. He he had a we- There was a weird lack of buy-in. I, I found on Garrett Cole, and it really surprised me, especially going to Houston. I think there's like people feeling burnt by him. Yes, definitely. That's definitely it. What I loved, and obviously I did not see the superstar turn. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and try to suggest that. But what I was really excited about was the fact that he was going to get away from the fastball and lean on his secondary stuff more because they really preach secondary stuff, whereas Pittsburgh doesn't. They really do make you throw a, a boatload of fastballs. And so I was like, I think he's got such a rich secondary arsenal. But anyway, this is not about Cole. This is about Musgrove. And I didn't mind him actually going to Pittsburgh because he has a good fastball two-seamer combo there. Um, but the slider's really taken off. And I still think that there's upside here. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited by him, especially because he costs – not a lot. Let me see. Uh, two the pick two fifty one. Took a step back last year, and I don't know. I don't know in if it, usage. Well, in pitch value too. But that's because of the usage. It's a volume thing. I mean, he used it ten percentage yeah. points less. That's that's a Pittsburgh thing, unfortunately. But do we think if we're if we're banking on him rebounding, we have to hope that that's going to change? Well, I mean, it would be they'd be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> not to let it change. I mean, he should not be throwing at 18. Maybe they don't let him go all the way back up to 28. But if you're if you're not letting uh, Joe Musgrove throw his slider, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, he was on the money pitch list for slider, which is a, a thing that that uh, Nick Pollock's come up with based on chase percentage, swinging strike rate, and zone percentage. And and Joe Musgrove's was was a money pitch, but he only threw it 341 times. Whereas Jamison Tyon, who didn't even develop his until May, threw his 552 times. So it's not like they haven't seen what what can be done if you let a guy lean on his slider a bit more. So I think that they should. It could uh, be injury too. He was dealing with a number of things last year, so maybe they health has been a concern for sure. I I don't know if you're on his player page on Fangraphs, but in the little news section. It says Musgrove underwent surgery to repair his abdominal wall in order to help heal the stress reaction in the front of his pelvic bone. That sounds awful. Sounds really bad. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what that means, but... Do not uh, want. Yeah. If he's healthy and he, he's thrown the slider, uh, I think he can be a really effective pitcher. And I think that maybe our projections uh, on the site for him don't do him justice. Uh, if he's throwing that slider, if he's not throwing the slider, then I think he probably is what he was last year, which is what the projections kind of bear out for him. Sure. Uh, which is fine. It, it's, that's not a bad pitcher, 
but especially at, at the pick too. Like it's it's if if all you did get was a repeat of Joe Musgrove, a low four ZRA and a good whip, um, and and hopefully adds innings to it because he only threw one fifteen last year because he does have to stay healthy. Uh, you know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be out. You wouldn't be losing there. It's just that you see the the potential for more that it's hard not to want him to really take off. Yeah, I, I think there is a ton more strikeout potential there, but it's got to come That's from my the biggest slider. Thing. Yep. And he, so I think where he's going, I'm going to take a few shares and hope. And I think we'll know pretty early on in the season, if not in spring training, whether or not he's going to kind of change that approach. Mm-hmm. No, I, to- I totally agree. With that, uh, with Joe Musgrove. All right, let's let's uh, let's see here. Let's talk about our next guy, which is Zach Gottlieb. Speaking of money pitch, his curveball uh, actually ended up as, as one. Wait, I think it was. Was it his curveball? Hang on. Let me do a quick search on this page. Oh, no, 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 no. He, I think he was a pitch value guy uh, who ended up having a pretty good pitch value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. His curveball ended up being fifth fourth best in pitch value, which is pretty good. Um, and, and despite some of the struggles that he had, one of the issues that I thought maybe the humidor was affecting is because um, he might have been getting too much movement on his curveball, and thus he was spiking it a lot, and it was easier to lay off of. That was a, that was something that I was kind of thinking might have been at play with some of Godley's starts where he just walked the yard and and not really get get the job done. He had a really big regression season. I know I was bought in on on what he did in 2017. Yep. So that was a flop on my end. There, I had him in, in my top 40 pitchers um, because I just I, I thought there was a lot to go off of. But the strikeout the strikeout rate went down a bit. Still a fair 23 percent, but uh, down from 26. The walk rate soared. The hit rate soared, and that's what really did him in. He went from 7.2 to 8.9, and that you can look at that as pretty much tanking the entire season because that started affecting his left on base rate. You know, he's allowing hits with with runners on, et cetera, et cetera, and it just went sideways. And he ended up with a 4.74 ERA and a 1.45 WHIP. I still think he can get back closer to 17. 17 is probably still going to stand as Zach Godley's best year, but I think he's at least a low fours. With like a 125 whip, which I think isn't bad for a pick 250. See, I think he's better than that. Oh, I, he can be. I'm saying that's kind of the the baseline that I'm expecting. Okay, if that's your baseline, that that's fine because I think that leaves you a lot of profit potential. Um, exactly. If things do click, and if, if you sort by his second half numbers, the surface number sucks. Don't look at the surface numbers because he had uh, he had almost a five ERA in, in the second half. <laughs> However, his FIP and xFIP were markedly lower: three sixteen okay. FIP, three seventy four xFIP, uh, a nine point five strikeouts uh, per nine. Uh, you know, kept the balls in the yard. Uh, he just has to stop getting it around. And I know that's, you know, that's not something you necessarily want to say uh, about a pitcher, but I see a ton of potential there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I I just feel like he is just, I don't know if it's an arm slot change or something away from just being a little bit uh, more productive with the fastballs. And, and cause that's, that's what's killing. I mean, he's the cutter fastball are just atrocious. Yep. Uh, I, to- I totally agree. It's got, it's got to do something there. But I don't think we're far 
from seeing uh, Zach Godley get back to some of the excellence that we saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it may be just be pitch sequencing. I, I don't know, but uh, is this I, a uh, multiple shares guy or, or maybe just t- take the one shot? What, what what are you thinking as far as your investment? I got to see where he's going. So before I, it, it kind of depends on who he who he's going around, but. Where is he going? Wow. Two fifty. Oh, pick two fifty. Yeah, yeah. He's going around. Um, he's going oh, right around okay. uh, Musgrove. In fact, hmm. I think I would take. <sighs> the problem is, there's so many guys I like in this area. Yeah, I know. I remember we're gonna, you. We're going and... to talk about Jimmy Nelson here. Uh, shortly, we're going to talk about Carlos Rodon here. Shortly, you were you and Justin were talking about. Uh, how much, uh, or you and Jason, you you were saying how much you love this pool. Yeah, Skaggs is right You're going to be drafting. Yeah. I, yeah, Kyle Gibson is going 50 picks later. Soroka is going 50 picks later. It's going to be hard for me. I'm going to get a, at least a share or two. Uh, okay. But, I mean, that's considering what I played in 17 leagues last year. I always say I'm going to cut back, so that means I'm going to play in 20 this year. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll get a share or two. He def- I definitely won't do what I did last year in TGFBI, which is make him my number two starter. Don't want to do that. So, but, uh, but that shows you how much I loved him coming into last year, and, mm-hmm. and I still have that love for him when I watch him pitch. Uh and I, I think he got a little unlucky too. I mean, the BABIP was uh, was pretty high, though. I mean, if you're going to put that many balls in play, sometimes things aren't going to go your way. What's their uh, What's their infield defense looking like? I'm trying to think. I'm actually pulling up roster resource real quick. Ahmed is that... pretty good. Yes, uh, Lamb moving it. away from third will probably help with Escobar. Eduardo at third. Escobar uh, better than Lamb, I would I would say mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then tell Marte how's he? I can't. I don't. I don't have I think a, a thing a in mind. Decent, decent second baseman. Okay, so, so you know if they can turn those those ground balls into outs, the more question frequently, is who's still on that team. <laughs> that's a good point too, right? In three or four months, so yeah, we don't even know who's necessarily going to be there. So, but I I think I think he's worth the gamble at, at where he's going. I wish he was going a little bit cheaper, honestly. I feel like he should, considering what he did. I I, I think uh, other folks are seeing what we're seeing, and yeah. they're they're not just going to let him him run free there. Uh, for so cheaply, so I, I get it, but that's uh, that's Zach Godley, and uh, we do like him around uh, the Joe Musgrove cost. Ideally, he could go a little cheaper, but we don't we don't have that right now. We don't get to uh, we don't get to pick that. And so the nice thing is, you know, you're going to get innings from 155 in 2017, uh, 178 in 2018, and a lot of the guys going around that area, the Skags, the the Nelsons, the Rodons, the world, you can't guarantee those innings. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Next up is our, our lone reliever here on the list, and it's Trevor May. And uh, I, I do like I do like Trevor May a lot. Now, full disclosure, I uh, I am I am internet friends with Trevor May. He's he's also a streamer, um, and so there that I got to put that bias out there just because I don't want to just be like hyping my homie. Oh, you know, and people be like, Oh, you really liked him. I was like, yeah, well, it's cause I like him as a person, but I also do believe <laughs> I in the skill. <laughs> I just, I want that bias out there just so people know, but I can also back it up with skills. So even if I didn't, uh, you know, associate with him in, in, in streaming or whatever, I would still back this pick because he came back last year and he quietly put up 25 brilliant innings with a 35% strikeout rate, 
5% walk rate. And, and the only thing that was problematic was the home run rate. And that's been a problem for him throughout his career. He's got a 1-1-4 career, but 1.4 the last two seasons that he's pitched, which is 16 and 18 because he missed all of 17. Needs to keep the ball in the yard a bit more. That's going to be kind of the key to whether or not he can uh, find the major success. But even with that, even allowing 1.4 homers per nine, you didn't put many guys on, so you still had a 320 ERA, 103 whip combo in those 25 innings for Trevor May. So I'm excited about what he can do. This Minnesota team's starting to get some hype because they've had a really good offseason. I think he could close for them and uh, you know, maybe not be the locked-in 40-save type of guy, but I think he's got a 30-save upside. I really do. I completely agree with you. I have liked Trevor May for a long time. He's so long that I think one of the first guests I ever had uh, on Friends of Fantasy Benefits uh, and I got into a heated argument <laughs> over whether or not Trevor May or Alex Meyer would have a better uh, oh, wow. career. The old, the old twins prospects mm-hmm. there. Which would be better? Uh uh, I, I will not name this fantasy analyst as, name <laughs> as we got into a pretty heated uh, conversation, and then he went back on his podcast and badmouthed me. Uh, oh God, name uh, that person. So, but no, I'm not going to name him. But you can go back to the archives of Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Go find episode like seven. Someone find it. Someone find it. So, uh, but I, I've liked him for a long time. I really thought he was going to be a, a great starter. Yes. Uh, when he moved into the bullpen, I was like, okay, well, I think he can be a shutdown closer. I still feel that way. Injuries have hampered him. Uh, but like you said, came one of the things we like to see is a guy come back at the end of the season and be healthy and show elite skills, which he did. Uh, the, the homers, it's a bit concerning, but... At the same time, it was only four home runs. It was just such a small sample. It was four home yeah, runs exactly. really jack you up. Exactly. Uh, but he he doesn't walk people, and he strikes a ton of guys out. So even if he gives up the solo homer every once in a while, it's not like he's loading up the bases for him. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think this is a dark horse for 30 saves. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be uh, in on some on some Trevor May shares. We just talked about the landscape at at closer and how you know wild it is, uh, and and the wildness isn't necessarily going to stop. Like I said, there's going to be some clarity. We're going to get some things that are going to uh, shape up a bit, but not enough to like really feel that great about that many guys. It's gonna be it's gonna be a bit annoying so uh he's definitely gonna be someone trevor may that i'm that i'm looking at and uh consistently drafting as ideal ideally my third reliever but even if he has to be my second i i won't be completely against that i I was telling someone like i like to try to get especially in like your 12 team leagues get a closer in every tier this is my my kind of like lower tier closer uh last year it was trying and this year it's trevor may Uh, last year, last week, year was trying in. Mm-hmm. Did that one work out? It worked you, out well. Can you review that one? Did that one do anything? Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't want to bank on the like the the whole like don't you know I, I hate to go back into this, but like the whole don't pay for saves thing, like don't make Trevor May your top closer. No. Uh, but if he's your third closer or even your second closer in a in a fifteen team league, you didn't have to pay very much, and I think you get a a, a pretty nice guy. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree there. 
And so um, I'm definitely eager on Trevor May. And let's see where he's going. I don't think the cost is much right now. 275 is the pick. It will go up. But I think even if you take him at the high end, the high end's 196 right now. I'm not even completely against that. That puts him right back in the uh, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, Will Smith, Sean Newcomb, John Gray area. I still think there's profit potential there. Because Will Smith... It puts him him just above... Uh, in terms of closers, Vizcaino, yep. Jordan Hicks. I think and that's probably where he should be going anyways. Exactly, and he doesn't have a uh, A.J. Minter breathing down his neck. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have anything in that pen that really scares me about well, taking the job. Or a team that's going to go out and buy a Kimbrel. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we like Trevor May. If you can continue to get him at that discounted price, take it. But even if he moves up to his current peak price of 196, wow, we're Will still Will Smith is going 178. Is he going to have the job out there? He's not going to be on the team opening day. Well, when are they going to start making moves? They haven't done a damn thing. They're they're gonna they're, they're gonna do it. They're gonna they're gonna tear it all down. They're just waiting. They're kind of I think they're waiting out the market right now. I think they have a great chip though. I wouldn't wait out the the market um, with a, with a closer like Will Smith because people are gonna the the chips are gonna fall with the relievers and then who's gonna need them? That's the problem. Somebody be left out. There's always somebody. Okay, you're probably right. Especially for relievers, a lefty reliever at that. That's one of the, the assets that, that your favorite team has to trade is relievers. They got Smith, Melanson, Watson, Maranta. He's not a reliever. Mm. Could be. Oh, my no, I'm just God. <laughs> I'm down so on many, Bumgarner. I know. You people out, out here being down on Bumgarner and Kershaw. Y'all, y'all are whack. I'm, I'm not down on Kershaw. I'm going to have lots of shares of Kershaw. Okay. I, I think the Kershaw... People running away from Kershaw like he didn't have elite pitches still. I I know there there are warning signs, but at the same time he still put up a fantastic season. Thank you. Like, come on, some of this Kershaw panic is insane. I mean, he's no Andrew Heaney, but oh my god, log off, sign off the podcast <laughs> right now. You have to go. Or he's no Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver, our next guy. We're not going to go too much into him because we did talk about him for the for the trade. And I think we expressed that we would buy back in here because uh, he was dirt cheap. He's or he's going to be dirt cheap after last year being so expensive, and um, I, you know, it didn't go well. But I don't think that he's a complete trash bag. And you know, I I didn't like the price that he had last year. But as I said before, I never saw this coming. So it's, this isn't this isn't like some back pad of like, oh, I knew he was going to be a five ERA guy. No, I just thought that he wasn't necessarily worth a top like 60 pick overall and i want to move away from from where we weaver was going now the entire market has sprinted away from him he's going to go to a new park uh pick 323 on average gimme uh, i'm i'm here for it even if he shoots up to say pick 250 that's still a range that i'd be open to buying him that puts him in the in the line with the guys that we've been talking about here godly and musgrove so yeah, and i have him sorted i have uh, the nfbc page sorted by just draft champions so which okay. cuts out the cut line uh which has a different format than i think most people are, are usually playing pick 341 yeah. uh that's insanely low yep and, like, don't get me wrong, there's some guys down here, again, where I go, ooh, I really like this guy. Ooh, I'm, I'm interested by this guy. But, like, in what world is Luke Weaver going behind Jake Junis or Matthew Boyd? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Boyd, I can understand maybe a little bit more because no. he's on the best team in the stop league. It. Shut your mouth. No, you stop it right now. Matthew Boyd is a saint, 
and an amazing person. He, he is an amazing person. He does a lot of charity work. He was in Africa, like, Honestly, handing out, like, baseballs and stuff like he, that. He is Jake Jr. They're both, like, home run issue guys with a great one great breaking ball, and that's it as far as Junis and Boyd go. I don't think Weaver has those same issues. I think he, even though Weaver doesn't have a super deep arsenal, in fact, needing a third pitch is kind of his problem. I think he's got a better fastball than either of those guys. And so and with his changeup, his yeah. changeup is sexy. So his premier pitch is a changeup, whereas they both have a breaking ball, and he has a fastball that he can actually use. So I, I would I would favor Luke Weaver over those two as well. Jokes aside on, on Matt Boyd, and uh, I talked about Jake Junis on the pitch podcast because of his slider. But no, give, give me Weaver. And I don't really see a scenario where the price could skyrocket to a point where I would be interested. I don't care. Like, there's I'm no interested spring. in his high price of 270 That's that's what I'm saying. There's no spring that he could have that would greatly alter his price to a point where I'm like, wow, Luke Weaver sure has gone up. It, it just won't happen. It won't happen. So I'm not even I'm not even worried about anything like that happening as far as Luke Weaver goes. And when was that trade? Because I, I think even if you trade, even if you did the date um, on NFBC since the trade, I still doubt that his price has gone up to a point that it we wouldn't. Was, it looks buy. like it was on the fifth. So if I move it to twelve, I don't know if there's been enough giraffes, unfortunately, uh, since then. Uh, there's been uh, 13, 13, 13 drafts, drafts of just draft champions. He's three twenty. Luke Weaver, three twenty. Oh, that's see, that's it's like people don't want him, and you know what? That's fine. Justin and I are here to pick pick that up. That it. I mean, Duncan, and again, there are guys around that area like the, Mike Soroka, uh, Michael Fulmer, but I'll take him over plenty of guys. You know, Mike Fires, I'm, I'm Justice yeah. Sheffield, who's never thrown in an inning in the major leagues. I enjoyed uh, what Mike Fires did last year, but the idea that he's just going to go do that again. Yeah, I'm not. Nah. I'm not in on that. Again, Matthew nah. Boyd. I'm just. Now you shut your mouth about Matthew Boyd. Yeah, you come come at just, him again. I mean, a, a fantastic person, God. but not good at throwing a baseball. I swear to God, if you if you if he comes Do out you of your streaming with him too or something, I, like I, I what's don't. your love with Matthew? I Boyd? don't. I don't. Trevor Williams or Tre- Trevor May, and or Trevor Williams does stream. I actually think, but uh, Trevor May and Brett Phillips. If you oh, can hear me Trevor really Williams talking is them up, an eighty grade troll. Oh, dude, that that's awesome. I think he has a podcast as well. Oh, does he? So maybe we, uh, maybe I'll become friends with him and I'll start hyping up Trevor. Trevor Williams as well, if you guys want, want me to do that. I'll just start becoming <laughs> internet friends with people and be like, yo, he's a he's a great pick. Paul, uh, he had a five year eight. Yeah, I put him on every team, no, even 10-team no. mixed league. I had to do it. He's, he's awesome. Uh, all right, next up is, let me tab over. You might have the name ready already. Who is it? Jimmy, Jimmy Nelson. Nelson. And we've talked a little bit about him too, but oh, – <laughs> I'm not I'm not internet friends with him, but he is also in like the Twitch community and everything too. <laughs> but I'm not yet These friends. Major with league him. players just have way too much downtime, is what you're telling right? me. Right? It's like they work out like Brett Phillips was uh he talks about his schedule. He's like, Yeah, I go, you know, work out for a few hours during the day and then I'm free. Like I have nothing else to do. And so that's why he took up playing games and, and streaming, because he just had all this extra time. It's like you can't work out literally all day. You put three, four hours in what more can really be asked of you? So, um, but yeah, Jimmy Nelson, I just love, you know, the fact that uh, he's been forgotten because he missed all of 2018. He had the shoulder issue after diving back in after uh, it, it was a base hit where he rounded first and then, 
you know, dove back in to, to get back on the base, and that's how he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. Ne- never hustle. And never. Uh, yep. <laughs> Matthew Barry. Hashtag never hustle. <laughs> yeah, just... So uh, he had an amazing 2017, and I don't know that he's going to come back and instantly do that. 27% strikeout rate, 8% or 7% walk rate, 349 ERA, 125 whip combo. But I think he's going to be near that, and I'm really excited for what he's going to be able to do. And just from like a pure baseball standpoint, I think it becomes – their ace and Milwaukee didn't really have an ace last year. They kind of pieced things together and they got a great season out of the scene and they got some some different runs from from various guys, but they leaned on that bullpen. Yeah, I think he's gonna be their workhorse and uh, be ready to go a full, you know, one seventy five again, which he's done three times in his career. So I love Jimmy Nelson. I know you do too. I'll let you go ahead and speak on him a little bit as well. Yeah, he was a guy that I uh Love for a really long time, and then jumped off board, jumped off the bandwagon. Uh, right, right when he broke, for, yeah, right when he broke out. Of uh, that, so I mean, I was on him for years, and just couldn't, couldn't ever seem to get it together. Uh, changes some of his pitch mix. Uh, really starts throwing that curveball again more, uh, and it, it really, really helped him. And he figured out righties. He was always great against left-handers, uh, and just really struggled against righties. Uh, and it just, he got a he got a good pitch that curveball. Mm-hmm, that curve was fantastic, and it, it really did him wonders. Uh, strikeouts went through the roof. He stopped walking everybody. Uh, kept the ball in the yard. There's gonna be some regression. He missed a whole year because of a shoulder issue. Uh, so you can't expect him to just go right back to striking out, you know, ten per nine and mm-hmm. uh, and crushing it. But I don't think he gets enough credit in our projections for for the strides that he did make. Yep, and so I think he. I'm probably gonna project him at like a three six strikeout an inning. Okay. Uh, which I think uh, is, and he's on a really good team, so he's gonna win games. Exactly. Uh, That bullpen's gonna keep his leads too. It's not just the the offensive support, but when when he turns over a lead, they're gonna lock it down. You know, they're gonna regress from where they were because they had just such an amazing season. But actually, I don't even know that as a as a composite they're necessarily necessarily regress because some guys will come back and other guys will probably move forward to make up for it if you lean on like two relievers and that that was why you had a good bullpen that's when i would be projecting regression but they were running five six deep and they're gonna have like corbin burns out of the bullpen for a full year my boy brandon woodruff might not get a starting job and if he's in the bullpen the full year he's gonna beast out for them in addition to the ones we know kniebel and hater and jeffress so i think their bullpen's gonna be elite again Love Jimmy Nelson. So the you question can't. becomes, is he going to be in games long enough to win them? Because they're going to have to figure out a way to limit his innings. They'll probably start early with some some five and dives for sure. So but I think he'll build up. League, yeah, that could be tough for Jimmy Nelson. I agree. You may want to kind of – Tap the brakes. Yeah, but in a wins league, I think he's going to get uh, – it's going to be a really good team. That bullpen is going gonna, is gonna to lock down wins for him. Mm-hmm. So if he leaves after you – know, he leaves after – uh, he's not going to worry about the bullpen blowing it up for him. He's picked 259 right now in the same thresholds that, that we just set for the uh, Luke Weaver thing, which is from December 5th in draft champions only on NFBC. And I took him in 220 in that mock that we did uh, for the Rotowire magazine. Yeah. So I'm perfectly comfortable with that. If, if you put him at 220 on an average, he would go around, um, well, relievers actually. The only, the only, uh, Pitchers right around 220 are Rodas Vizcaino, Jordan Hicks, and Michael Gibbons. But the starters closest to that are Luke Kessie, 
and Arietta at 211 and 212 respectively. And then we get back down to our boys, Musgrove, Maeda. Um, well, Godley actually fell comparatively because uh, it looks like Musgrove went up a little bit. Maeda or uh, Godley fell down. So I like him there. Even if he went all the way up to 220, I like him over Arietta and Lucchesi for sure. I, I just Yeah, I, just I think that's like the area Arietta. he should be. I think he will be too. Because if he goes out him in between Lucchesi and Alex Wood. Yeah, I told I'm right. totally vibing that. And you're a big Alex Wood guy too, so that's mm-hmm. uh that's another one that you like. Uh, all right, our last one here wrapping up is uh Carlos Rodon. Now, he he's interesting and I still want to believe in him. But as I said on the uh, baseball HQ pod in the summer, I like the idea of him more than I like him, meaning I kinda wanted to watch it from afar. Where I like I, I want him to break out. He just might not be on any of my teams when it happens. And I'll be like, cool. I liked him for years. I'm I'm glad. I'm not even going to be upset about it. I'll be like, okay, good. I, I wanted him to break out. But the path has been weird. You look at the skills this year and you're like, well, he took a uh, you know, he took a, a step back because he had an 18% strikeout rate, easily his career worst, 11% walk rate, which uh, tied his career high. His swing strike rate went down. But he still had the 418 ERA, which is right in line with what he's done. And the 126 whip was a career best. It's because he really started working up and in, particularly to righties with his with his fastball. And even uh, bearing in some of the some of the sliders. But really fastballs up and in were kind of his his bread and butter, which was conducive to pop-ups and 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 weaker contact, not strikeouts. In fact, he had an eleven percent infield fly ball rate, which um it was easily a career high and a 43% fly ball rate, which was far and away a career high. He'd never been higher than 35%. So he was really working for pop-ups and lazy fly balls, Carlos Rodon was, but it robbed his strikeouts. I still think there's a a, a strategy that can work where he gets those uh, weak contact in the air, but also still gets strikeouts. I think he can, he can combine the two and get to like a 22 to 24% strikeout rate Ideally, with a walk rate that's under 10, but I, I would accept a 10. I think he can still succeed with that while also limiting the hits due to the fly balls and end up with, say, a 360 ERA, 125 whip with with those strikeouts. What would you think about that for Rodon? I think that would be awesome, and I think uh, hopefully we'll see that more. I also want to see him throw the slider a little bit more. Yes, it's I would love such to see a great that. pitch. Uh, that I don't – I mean, he already throws it, what, 20% of the time, 25% mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, I'd love to see him inch that up uh, quite a bit more. There, There's a ton of great skills here. Uh, you know, gets ground balls. He, The strikeouts, it's the only thing that's kind of – well, and the control, because the control's still uh, spotty at times. Yes. But I think that is what he will probably Some of it's purposeful be. too, mm-hmm. yes. Because the slider's so nasty – and because he doesn't want to give in, I, now I don't, you know, want an 11% walk rate. But I don't think it's just that. Hey, I have no idea where the ball's going. And not all walk rates are created equally. I guess is my point. For sure. Uh, at the same time, he's he's gotta he's gotta keep guys off the base paths, exactly. especially with his history of giving up home runs. Now he was much better at not giving up home runs uh, last season when he came back. Uh, so if he can kind of maintain that gain, then the walks don't hurt him nearly as much. But the strikeouts have to come back for him to be uh, a, a real elite pitcher in fantasy. I think they will. 
Uh, You can't watch him pitch and see his stuff and not think that he should be getting more swings and misses. Yeah, I totally agree with that on on Carlos Rodon. I still think he's kind of figuring it all out. Um, And and, and we're seeing that kind of on the fly with Carlos Rodon. And, you know, this, this was a new strategy type of season. And if he can take some of the gains from that, piece it with some of the gains, uh, some of the stuff he's done well in the past, maybe we maybe we get a uh, a really good version of Carlos Rodon. And you and I are definitely willing to take a shot as a buyback pitcher. Closing up, he was uh, picked 276 on average. His peak is only 248. So the market is 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 cool on him. They're not really bumping him up. And I think that I think a great spring and a lot of hype. The highest he can get is like just inside the uh, top 200 so uh, and i would still pay that because that's around john gray josh james and ross stripling that's in line with the type of guy that that rodon can be so i'm going uh, to build an auctioned rotation completely out of those guys i love it one of the one in one draft this year i'm going to build like a, I don't know it'll be like a $40 rotation <laughs> out of the all these $5 guys it's going to be and then just the sickest offense to yeah, go with it's it. going to be at like Soroka and Kyle Gibson and Rodon and Weaver and, and Jimmy Nelson and uh and I'm probably not going to win the pitching categories but I don't think I'm going to be one of the low men either in pitching and uh I can, you know, I'll trade for a stud midseason with that dynamic offense I'll put together. There you go. I, I like it. I'm e- eager to see what you put maybe, together. Maybe this is my tout head-to-head strategy. Oh, dude, that'd be that'd be really interesting. Uh, unless they hear my begs and move me out of tout. <laughs> <laughs> and get you moved up into one of the uh, one of the only leagues. <clears throat> I mean, that's where I would prefer to be. I, it's hard. Tout head-to-head is such a fun group. That's the thing too. It's it. it no matter what league you're in, you're with a great group of, of, of players, oh, for sure. But, I mean, Sealy and Bender uh, and Andrea. It's a tough group is the problem. It's a tough group, but it's a fun group. Like, And I think Sealy said he's going to stick it out in head-to-head even though he won. Um, so, But I just hate I hate points leagues. I just hate head-to-head. It just, I know, it, yeah, and you hate head-to-head, too. The yeah. one thing I do like about it is that it's a different format from, from what I – Mostly do so. It, it is kind of fun to try For something. Sure. It's, it's like that. I don't. Only, it's my only points league. Yeah. So uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. For today, uh, good talking with you, and we'll be back on consistently now with the holidays done. Uh, the market should start moving. Yeah, you got your baby at home. We're we're into it, y'all. Fantasy football is done. We're going to be out definitely once a week. Maybe we can start doing twice a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let me know how your schedule works. As soon as uh, as soon as the wife goes back to work, then. Uh... I can, uh, you know, ignore my child and do like twice a week. That sounds good. So, uh, yeah, definitely let me know uh, when, when that begins to happen. I'll still have solo pods coming. And we definitely have some guest stuff lined up that uh, that we got to be getting to in the future. And uh, you and I can talk about that offline. And you can tell me who that jerk store was that uh, you wouldn't tell everybody. But uh, <laughs> that's going to wrap it up. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.